Draft time, draft time, draft time. Super excited as we got the NFL draft coming our way in about a week and a couple of days. Next Thursday, round one kicks off. We are in Cleveland, Ohio, and we are excited. Can't wait for the draft. Coming up, and what will the Falcons and the Titans do? It's more interesting as to what the Falcons are going to do with the top five pick, but as we talked about last segment, Tennessee Titans are right there as well, and they may be looking towards an offensive player, and we are going to stick with that offensive mindset here on a Tuesday as we talk college football with the senior college football analyst, good friend of mine from Pro Football Focus, Seth Galina is our guest right now. What's up, Seth? Hey, man. Just chilling. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Hey, I mean, just, just hanging in the States. I know you're north of the border right now, and we miss you here, but... You know, I'm ha- I'm happy you're holding it down in there in uh, in Canada. Uh, not doing a whole lot of anything here. I'll tell you that much. Uh, we're still in complete lockdown, so I've been doing a lot of you know hanging out in the basement. That's really what I'm doing. Well, okay, I was going to save the this for the end, but you know, I, I have to just get into this right now since we're talking about hanging in the basement and things like that. Uh, you tweeted out, uh, you know, yesterday, I believe it was, that your mom came to visit your new apartment and looked around and said, if I don't get a girlfriend within the next 12 months, I really am a loser. And w- w- what exactly is going on with the apartment? What do you, you got some bad decoration style or w- what's happening? No, no, it's, it's the opposite. Like, it, it's a, it's a re- pretty nice apartment. I'm not going to lie. Um, I might not be able to afford it. That's a whole other question. <laughs> so when my mom came to visit, she was like, oh, um, this is like pretty nice. Like if you, if you oh. get a girlfriend within the next year, you really are a loser. I got it. I wow. got it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I, I had uh, recently had a female friend of mine, uh, who saw my apartment and was critiquing that I, I it really needed a female's touch. And, uh, so I, I read it like that, that like you had maybe some sort of, you know, terrible decoration or me where I've just got sports memorabilia all over the place and my <laughs> word with G banner and my lights are wrong and this, that, and the other thing, my bed's not in the right place. My TV's not in the right spot. My lamp's wrong. The whole thing. I just thought it was a mess. Like I apparently have. Well, I, I give it about a month before, like it's, it's, I, you know what I mean? Like it's so new that everything's all right now. But you give it a month of me living there, and I mean, it's gonna end up being the same thing as you. <laughs> like life, life finds a way, as it said in Jurassic Park. So, like, eventually, my my filth will uh, will overcome. I think. Well, is it just me? Let me ask you this question: as man to man, right now, you and I just talking, nobody else listening. Um, <laughs> what do you do with your bed in the bedroom? Is it against the wall, or is it in the middle of the room? What What is your stance on on bed placement in in the master bedroom? Uh, against the wall, I have a headboard for the first time in, in years. I can't even remember the last time. I must have been a kid the last time I had a headboard. So that's the new thing. Nice. Um, yeah, against the wall, uh, against the wall on one side. And then, yeah, I have both sides open. Um, like the back is against the wall and both sides are open. Okay. So that's what I mean is that it's not cornered up against the wall. So you have both sides. Somebody can get into the bed on both sides. Yeah, I used to, for, for about a year in, in, a, in an old apartment, I had it against in the corner, and I didn't like it so much. I think, I think you've got to be in the middle. What about you? Uh, for me, I like it up against the, the wall in the corner because it gives me just so much more room for activities in the room. If I put that thing in the middle, <laughs> I, got, I can't do anything on e- either side. I don't have a big enough room. 
Oh, okay, yeah, I see. Well, we got to have activity space, of course. That's what I'm saying. You know, I tried to explain that to my friend, and she just she just wasn't having it. She's just like, no, it just doesn't make any sense. I was like, well, I live by myself, and I'm not worried about somebody else getting in on the other side of the bed. I'm just worried about how I get I roll in and out of the bed at this point. Yeah, and I think that, look, we have to all look up for ourselves here. So I think this is the way to do it. Um, if you if you need the space for activities for your Legos, for your Playmobil sets, um, for your puzzles, Hot sure. Wheels. My, I think mostly it's for your Hot Wheels. Yep. I mean, I just got to make the, I make the tracks. tracks. Yeah, the tracks yeah. all over the place. You got to have room for those. There's some really, I don't know how I've been finding these commercials. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, don't ask me what TV I'm watching, but uh, there's some really cool, I mean, you know, we're older gentlemen now. Uh, there's some really cool, like, Hot Wheels type, Hot Wheels adjacent type of toys you can buy. And I wouldn't put it past myself uh, to actually buy some. Hey, that's that's like the best thing I think I'm looking forward to as a kid or having kids is that I get a chance to play with all the toys that like secretly as an adult, I can't play with anymore. They go on walls. They can go on your oh on ceiling. God. They don't fall. No, it's trust me, dude. Like <laughs> just go and, go and kidnap a baby just so you have this type of stuff. All I right, now we're, kidnapping a baby now, we're, now we're completely off the tracks. We're talking about kidnapping babies here on the Word with G. This is Seth Galina, everybody, uh, of uh, college football, or excuse me, uh, senior college football analyst for Pro Football Focus. Let's get down to brass tacks now. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the draft here. As I've alluded to you via text messages and the listeners on the uh, on the airwaves, that you and I are going to split this thing up. We're going to go offensive players today, and then next Tuesday we'll find some other random topic to talk about, and then we'll talk about defensive players. So let's stick with the offense here first and foremost. Lawrence and uh, Wilson going to be the top couple of picks, I presume, as we move forward. And um, as we go, though, it's when we get to three, it's going to be kind of interesting. You know, I'm looking over different mock drafts and different people say different things, but what say you when it comes to what's going to happen with the 49ers at number three? What do you think is the best quarterback that'll be available for them to select? So for me, I mean, if I was the Jets, I would take Justin Fields. So if he falls to three, which that's like you said, that's what it looks like, then to me it's a no-brainer that you take Justin Fields and uh, to, to me, Justin Fields is a number one overall pick in the draft. It's on years that are not 2021 and, you know, whatever year it was that Andrew Luck came out. I think every year in between, you would think about this guy as the number one overall pick. So, you know, if he falls to three, that's unbelievable value, right? You're getting the number one player in the draft, uh, in most drafts, in my opinion, at number three. So, I can't see them. And I honestly, I think there's a lot of smoke screens going out there with Mac Jones and him being one of the guys that San Francisco could target. I can't believe that they would actually do that. So, yeah, it's got to be Justin Fields for me. Now, you wrote a big, long piece up on profootballfocus.com and um, or pff.com. And don't forget, uh, if you want to get all of their incredible draft content over at PFF, Dot com. You can do so right now. 30% off any PFF subscription. Use dra- a code DRAFT30 from April, April 18th. That was a couple of days ago until May 4th to get that 30% off with any PFF subscription. Use code DRAFT30. You wrote this big old 
article about Justin Fields and whatnot, and you put some elaborate little heat signature graphs in here and things like that, kind of go over, give us the cliff note versions of the version of this article. And what were you using as comparisons? How were you talking about Justin Fields and all that good stuff? So, so the article was like about what the San Francisco offense is because we keep putting Matt Jones as uh, well, he fits really well in that offense. And I think one of the issues that we're looking at this offense, the Shanahan offense um, from its current you know, iteration. And what you look at from when he started in San Francisco in 2017, so in the four years that he's been there, the, where his quarterbacks have targeted receivers has really like gotten closer and closer and closer to the quarterback. They're not throwing deep anymore. They're not throwing to the sideline anymore. They're really just throwing in this really small space um, in front of their eyes, you know, right in front of them. Um, no, you know, relatively difficult throws there. And it's really, it, it's crazy to see when you go through a year by year, you see kind of like, as I wrote, the walls kind of collapsing inside for mm-hmm. Um, onto Kyle Shanahan. So when you say like, oh, well, Mac Jones fits that thing, it's like, yeah, Mac Jones fits it because we, we're used to seeing that Kyle Shanahan offense with, with you know, mediocre quarterbacks, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, uh, Hoyer, and, and Nick Mullins. But what you really want to look at is how can a quarterback come in there and expand that offense? to what it looked like when Matt Ryan won the MVP in Atlanta in 2016, when Robert Griffin III won the Rookie of the Year in 2012, I believe. And a guy like Justin Fields gets you there, whereas I don't know if Mac Jones uh, gets you there at all. I mean, if you put Mac Jones in that offense, probably, yeah, it looks the same, but then you're in the same situation you're in. You just have Jimmy Caroppolo, but you know, uh, seven years younger or whatever the age difference is there. With with Fields and even a Trey Lance, you're getting someone who can give you more and give you closer to what I think Shanahan actually wants his offense to look like. And that's throws down the field, throws down the sideline. He'll get you and, and plays outside the pocket as well, you know. Um, and you, you get that with Fields and Lance, and you don't get that with Mac Jones, I don't think. All right, what about, again, Seth Galina, our guest here on The Word with G. What about at four with the Falcons? Because we have a lot of Falcon fans here now that I'm in uh, Chattanooga and we're so close to Atlanta and we cover the Falcons. We have the Falcons games on our airwaves. So let's say that Zach Wilson stays at two. Let's say that Justin Fields goes at three. What, in your estimation, should the Falcons do with that number four overall pick? I, I put the question out there on Twitter today. Whether you take a quarterback, do you go Kyle Pitts? Because everybody's talking about how much of a generational talent he is. Or do you trade down with that that pick yeah i think you you're looking at yourself in the mirror and really deciding on what you think matt ryan is right now and what he is in a few years if you think you can still make this run at a super bowl and and this window is still open for you with matt ryan a quarterback over the next three four years i think you have to trade down because i think even at pick four even when three quarterbacks will have been taking taken one, two, three in the draft. I think teams will still look at the next two guys, Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Let's say it, it, it is those two guys. And certainly the fields are still there. And they're going to value that pick so badly that you can go and drop back three, four spots, pick up a first-round pick next season, pick up a, a third-rounder this season as well, and you're, 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 you're sitting pretty there if you're the Falcons. Now, if you're saying, hey, you know, this window is getting smaller and smaller, and 
we think maybe it's a one-year situation with Matt Ryan, hey, that's a good time to go and get a Trey Lance and have him sit for a year. And then, hey, 2022, we're going with Trey Lance or wherever you take. And Matt Ryan's out the door because you can kind of get rid of that contract it's not going to be as much of a dead hit next season. This season, forget about it. He's your starting quarterback. But next season, you can get out of that contract uh, a little easier. So I think that is kind of where, you know, where they think Matt Ryan and how big that window is um, is going to tell them a lot. And I think if you stay at four and you're not taking a quarterback, I think it has to be Kyle Pitts. He's probably the best receiver in the draft. You know, in terms of grouping, you know, receivers and tight ends together, uh, you know, in terms of like pass catchers, I think he's the best one in the draft. And, you know, that offense has not actually been really good recently. You know, in the two Dirk Cutter years, it's been very average. It's not the Shanahan or Steve Sarkeesian offense. So I think getting a playmaker like him would, would, would go a long way to keeping that window open with, with Matt Ryan behind center longer. Yeah, and Julio Jones is not the most reliable health-wise receiver that we've seen over the last couple of years, so it might be advantageous, I guess, to start thinking a little bit in the future about what do you want to do at Playmaker next to Calvin Ridley. Again, if you want to uh, jump in, you want to ask any questions of uh, Seth or I, mostly Seth, 423 648 1051 again 4236481051. Uh let's go one more housekeeping thing before I just ask you about offensive players in this draft in general with the Tennessee Titans at 22. I'm you know I have read some other mock drafts and I've seen some 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 people think that maybe they got to take a a pass rusher but maybe not with Clowney now, maybe a linebacker, maybe a defensive back, but um I the last couple of drafts that I've been looking at I've had I've seen Kadarius Tony or I've seen um Gosh, the wide receiver uh, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. What do you think the Tennessee Titans should do in terms of that twenty-two overall pick? Yeah, so if you if you go on PFF.com, you sign up for the subscription, like you said, NFL Draft thirty for thirty percent off. Our draft guide is one of the most beautiful pieces of literature that you will find, and we have it. Yeah, we have Elijah Moore as as a really good fit for them. Uh, in that first round, obviously, you need to replace um, some pass catchers, John U. Smith and Corey Davis, who are not in town anymore. And, you know, A.J. Brown is a true number one receiver, but, you know, it's a, it's a passing league, and, and you got to find someone next to him. And I don't know if someone like Nick Westbrook or Cameron Batson uh, or Anthony Ferkser are those guys. So I think you want to keep some continuity. You want to keep that train going on offense. And I think that taking a receiver, there's going to be some really nice, interesting receiver options at that pick. Um, To me, that is truly, truly where I think they should go. And like you said, edge is less of a need now with Clowney. You could go to, excuse me, you could go tackle as well. Um, But I think at 22, you know, you don't, you can even trade down from 22 because there's such a glut of receivers in that range that you could trade down to 25, 27, 28, maybe even the second round and still get a really good receiver opposite of A.J. AJ Brown. So I think they're in a really good position, even though that roster kind of has been decimated uh, through free agency. Um, but I think they're still in a good position to, um, to, get, a, to get a real nice receiver uh, with their first pick. 
I think I, I fooled you into saying Clowney because I think I said Clowney, but I meant Bud Dupree when I said Javion Clowney. Oh, of course. Yeah. I think I fooled yeah, you into that one by accident. Yeah, yeah. I think I did that by accident. Uh, Bud Dupree is now their pass rusher out there in uh, here in Tennessee. Not there. We're in Tennessee. I am. You're not. But um, all right. Let's <laughs> talk again. Seth Galina, our guest here on The Word with you. we got a couple of minutes left, Seth. Let's go quickly through some offensive players and the offensive talent. I want to start with the offensive lineman, because that is another need potentially for the Falcons coming up. We know Penny Sewell is, is ranked as, I think it's fourth on your guys' list, and it seems like he'll probably end up going, which is much needed for the Bengals and Joe Burrow coming back from injury. But talk to us a little bit about the depth in the offensive tackle room right now within this draft class. Yeah, for me, it's, it's, this is where it's, it's high-end to a certain degree with Sewell and Slater. I think those are two top 10 players probably, um, especially if you, if you don't really use positional value, then they're definitely top 10 players. But the quarterback and receiver stuff pushes them a little further down. Um, and then you have this, you know, kind of like the receiver position where you have this, this group of, let's say, four pass catchers um, who are going to go super high in the draft. But then, like I said, you have these, this receiver group from – you know, pick 25 to 35, that's going to be really interesting. I think you have kind of the same thing with the tackle class. So you're going to have Slater and Sewell off the board, but then you have some really nice players like Walker Little, like Tevin Jenkins, like Christian Darasaw, like, you know, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who was a guard at USC and then played tackle his, this last year. Um, so he, he could project anywhere from guard or tackle. So I think there's a really interesting... Um, place and, and I'll say the same thing. You know, if you're a team that's like sitting there in the 20s and really wants to tackle, and some of them haven't come off the board yet, man, trade back, get an extra pick, and still, yeah, a couple will come off by the time it's your pick again. But there's some good ones there. Someone will fall to you, and that'll be really good value, especially if you picked up, you know, a second round pick next year, a third round pick this year, something like that. That it, it's really, you know, quarterback, receiver, tackle. Are, are the three positions that are probably the deepest in the draft, especially in the early round. All right, well, I was going to go running back next, but let's go wide receiver. And you mentioned Kyle Pitts already as a tight end, but he's kind of more of that hybrid type. Let's go pass catchers specifically. Wide receivers, tight end. We knew uh, how deep the draft was receiver-wise last season. I've heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or you can, you know, you can steer me in the right direction because I believe wholeheartedly in you, Seth Galina, uh, uh, how is this wide receiving class depth-wise? You mentioned it just being pretty deep. And is it a different sort of wide receiver? I'm hearing last year was more of, hey, let's get these speed guys on the outside, the whole thing. Now it might be some more slot wide receivers that are more heavy in this draft compared to last year's, but still very deep at the position. I think it's it's a very, it's like a big body type of outside, not necessarily outside with speed, like you said, but outside with um with with body control with contested catchability and, and the three that i think of in that you know at the top of the draft is pitts chase and bateman those guys are going to play uh you know one-on-one ball isolated one-on-one ball demonte smith can do that too but obviously we think of him more as a speed that that's more your speed outside guy and a guy who can also play in the spot now one of the things that's changed is you know you have to be able to play anywhere in the nfl um, you know, Chase is such an interesting example. And, and I think uh, Jamar Jefferson, too, with that L- 2019 LSU team where, 
they were kind of lined up where they were for the whole season. So Jamar Jefferson was an out, uh, a slot receiver. Jamar Chase was their single one-on-one outside receiver. And I think you don't see that you're seeing it less in college football though you do see it a lot like that 2019 LSU team. But in the NFL, you got to be able to move around a lot, whether you're a tight end, whether you're an outside receiver, whether you're a slot, they're going to have to play different positions. So that's what you have to look for with all these guys is their ability to play different um, different parts of the field and have different roles. Um, there's, it's a lot less static than it was in the NFL 15, 20 years ago. You really have to be able to play a bunch of different um, you know, specific uh, receiver position at the next level. And I think, honestly, we're going to be saying this is a great receiver class for the next few years. It's always going to be a great receiver class because this is where the best re- the best athletes are getting moved to early in their careers. You know, they're not getting moved to running back anymore. So the best players to play in receiver or they're playing tight end like Kyle Pitt. So we're going to, we're, we're in this situation and, and the passing game has so much value now uh, in college and the NFL. So I think we're going to be saying this for years where this is just another great receiver class where, look, we can have quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends go out of the 32 picks in the first round. I mean, man, it could be 10, 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. You know, we expect five for sure, 10, I think. And then, if, and, if, and then if two or three or four receivers end up uh, trickling into the first round also in the late, could be close to 14-15. To, to so I think we're going to be seeing that. We might not see five quarterbacks go in the first round of the year, but I think we're going to see six, seven receivers go in the first round at least uh, for the next foreseeable future. Seth Galina, our guest, I got two minutes left. Give me just quickly behind Kyle Pitts, what are we looking at tight ends? Is there anybody that intrigues you there? And then uh, running back-wise, Javante Williams, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, top three guys. Who's the best out of those? Uh, I'm a big fan of Najee Harris. Um, I think you can't go wrong with either of them. And it certainly would depend where you took them. I don't think you're going to take any of them with the top 20 pick um, and maybe not even the top 32 pick. But I think for me, I just like Najee Harris. Just like I like that type of style. Um, obviously, it looks a lot like, like Derrick Henry with that jump cut. Um, you know, downhill and the jump cut is so beautiful to watch. Um, so I, I like him, but I don't know where you would take those guys. Maybe mid-second round, maybe even the third round is where you would start. Tight end, um, definitely you, you have um, Pat Fryermuth uh, from from Penn State is a, is a top tight end. And then it's, it's not the greatest tight end class, I, I would believe. So we would go on our big board, as I'm looking at it right now, Fryermuth, so Pitts 5. And then you don't see another tight end until 43 with the Penn State tight end. And then not another one, I believe, until Brevin Jordan, 97. That's the, um, that's the uh, Miami tight end. So, like, it's not the greatest tight end class. So you're looking at guys who are after pits, who are flawed in a certain way. Maybe they're not really good blockers. Maybe they're not great receivers. Um, so that, that's, you're not going to see a lot of tight ends off the board uh, until later in the draft, really. Seth Galina has been our guest. Don't forget, Pro Football Focus, 30% off any PFF subscription. Use code DRAFT30, April 18th to May 4th. You can follow Seth at PFF underscore Seth, senior college football analyst, PFF, host of the PFF College Football Podcast as well. He is from Canada. Uh, Man, I appreciate the time as always. I look forward to talking defensive players with you next Tuesday. And uh, as the months go on, more about the apartment. (laughs) All right, cool. All right, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time.
There you go. Seth Galina right here on The Word with G. All right, we got to get up out of here quick, fast, and in a hurry. I got to hit a break. When we come back, we will wrap things up and give you a couple of local news and notes from around the sports world. Hang tight. This is The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. I'm Zach England with Best and Brock. One of the things that separates